0: Good morning everyone. Welcome. Glad you're here today. It's uh, always wonderful to gather together with God's people in God's house uh, to worship our Lord together and and, uh, we're glad that you are here. We welcome everyone today, especially our visitors. Uh, You are very important to us and we're we're glad that you're here. Uh, Let me call to your attention a few announcements that we have. First of all, let me remind uh, you of our uh, our uh, attendance sheet on each row, we'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out. Check the appropriate box and uh, give us as much information as you feel comfortable giving to us. But especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, please uh, put your email address on there. Uh, it's a great way to keep up with what's going on at Community Baptist Church. And, uh, and we'll be sure to get you on that list. We have a lot going on, and I, too much really to say, but please read your worship folder uh, today because I'm not going to cover everything. It just, I could spend the whole time doing that. Uh, But a few things that we do need to cover is that this week we will be starting our, uh, taking our photos for the church directory on Wednesday and Thursday. Is that right? Wednesday and Thursday, I think. And then uh, we also next Wednesday, we have an additional day. Do we have any more open spots? I'm sorry? Okay, we do have some openings on the 8th. Okay, so we were kind of crammed in here and, and they were squeezing us in, but we do have some openings on May the 8th. And so don't forget, if you've made an appointment, don't forget to be here for your, to take your photos. If you need to make an appointment for your photo to be taken for our church directory, uh, please see Juanita or Sandy, and they'll be glad to uh, to make a reservation for you. Or you can go online and do it yourself as well. Um, also, uh, many of you know that, that we are uh, we are going to be going to uh, McCreary County this summer for our Extreme Build again, and there's a sign-up sheet back on the uh, bulletin board back here. And if you would like to go to this important uh, mission opportunity, please be sure to sign up back there. And we need, that, uh, we need you to do, to do that as quickly as possible because we need to make hotel reservations and things like that. So please sign up back there if you're uh, planning on going uh, to the Extreme Build. Last year was the first time we did this, and I have to tell you, it is absolutely amazing because we left right after church on Sunday and got there and showed up at our work site on Monday morning, and there was nothing but the foundation, they had the uh, the framing for the walls up, and that was it. And seven days later, we hand, handed the keys to that house. No, yeah, seven, uh, actually... Six days later wasn't it six days later, we handed the keys to that house uh, to the new owners. We built a house in a week. It can be done. It is a miracle of partnership and uh, and so that's that's what happens when god 's people put their hands together. so if you want to be a part of that miracle this year this year, please sign up uh, for extreme build also uh as you may know, all of the committees and teams here at Community Baptist have been charged to do something because we have another team here, it's called our Green Team. And that they're in charge of kind of reminding us of our need to be helpful to our environment. And all of our committees have been charged to do something in the name of the environment and to be helpful to it the environment. One of the things that we're doing, the worship team has put a recycle bin out there so you can recycle your folders after worship service. Well, our mission team is going to be doing something on Saturday. We're going to be, we, have, we have asked for a section of road that needs to be cleaned up. And so Saturday morning, we'll be meeting here at the church at 7 o'clock in the morning. And we're going to go out and, after breakfast... I've been told that if you feed them, they will come. <laughs> we'll meet here at church at 7 and then go eat breakfast. And then we'll be going out to the section of road that we have been assigned and clean up the ro- the sides of the road from uh, the litter and stuff along the side of the road. So see you Saturday morning for breakfast. Our children, our youth are going to Gaddy Town today. Uh, so I'll remind you about that. Is that right? Okay, excellent. And let me remind you also that our church council will be meeting this afternoon at 3 o'clock. We have several things going on this afternoon, so we'll be meeting at 3 o'clock this afternoon. And so if you're a part of church council, please be here for that. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord and share the love of God together. Several years ago, uh, we here at Community Baptist Church went through an exercise by which we adopted a set of um, core values of our church. And the very first thing on that list of core values is acceptance. Because we feel that all people are accepted by God and acceptable by God, and we want to mimic that in our church. And so I'm proud to be a, a part of a church that accepts everyone. And basically what that says is that we are an inclusive congregation. So let's celebrate that inclusiveness by reading our responsive reading today titled Inclusivity. God of all peoples of the earth, we gather in your presence aware of the vastness of your world and the intimacy of your concern. We pray for the smaller world around us, for the members of our families, for friends who share our concerns, for those who depend on us and on whom we depend. We want to repent of our small vision, to break away from that which confines us. So transform us, Lord. Transform us to live by your large vision. Stand us in the midst of all that is broken and hurting. Direct our eyes beyond the visible so that we might see your kingdom breaking forth into our lives. Amen.
1: Today's scripture reading is from Acts chapter 11, verse 1 through 18. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey. "'reptiles and birds of the air. "'I also heard a voice saying to me, "'Get up, Peter, kill and eat.' "'But I replied, "'By no means, Lord, "'for nothing profane or unclean "'has ever entered my mouth.' "'But a second time the voice answered from heaven, "'What God has made clean, "'you must not call profane.' "'This happened three times, "'then everything was pulled up again to heaven. "'At that very moment, Three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to take and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied, accompanied me and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, "Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, The Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gives us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life.
2: Hello. All right. Wow. Got more seats than we got people. You'll sit here, Joe? You can sit here. Oh she get you see. All right. Anybody listening earlier heard what Doctor Tim said about inclusivity? That's a big word, isn't it? What's it mean? See, it's a big word. Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. Let's see right here. Let's get some stuff here. Wow. Does it mean that? That's what it doesn't mean, isn't it? What if you What if you go to somebody's house and you see this, what do you do? Stay out. See, it means the same as this, right? What if you came to church and that was on the door? What would it mean? Ah, I wouldn't want my church to have that, would you? No. You think that's going to be there when we get to heaven? No, no. It kind of means the same thing as this. The only people that can go in are these people, except these people. We, we, we keep people out. Do you think God means that, that, you know, only certain people are going to be allowed? I think there's another word that sounds a lot of like that, and it means this. There you go. We accept all people. I don't think he- I, in heaven we're all everybody that believes is going to be allowed to go. We're not going to keep anybody out. Same. It should be the same with our church. It is the same with this church. Every other church should be strive to be like this church. We accept everyone. All right. I gave some fruit snacks to Miss Mary. They got little smiley faces on it. When you eat them, you think about it. Smile because Jesus loves you. So that means. Whoever eats one, Jesus loves them. That's right. Let's have a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you accept us no matter who we are, no matter what we are, no matter where we are. You exclude no one. All you ask is that they believe in you. We ask your blessings on this church, that they continue that message, and that we spread it throughout this community, throughout this nation, throughout this world. Please pray with me. Dear, gracious, loving Father, thank you for the wonderful blessings that you have given us today. We are so grateful for everything that you do for us. We ask that you bless these tithes and offerings to help this church and the community. We ask that you bless Dr. Tim as he gives his sermon. And please be with us as we leave these doors with your word in mind. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Felt like that?
3: <laughs>
0: Poor Roadrunner. You remember those, uh, those hilarious cartoons of the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote? I, I spent uh, many hours of my childhood watching Wiley Coyote's futile efforts to capture his nemesis, the Roadrunner. But you've got to give it to the Coyote. He was stubbornly persistent in his quest, despite the fact that not only did he fail time after time after time again, but he also repeatedly plummeted from high cliffs, was blown up, and was continually getting flattened by numerous large heavy falling objects. You may remember one episode in which the coyote pursued the roadrunner into a, a long, dark tunnel. So dark, in fact, that all that was visible of him were his eyes, glowing in the, shining in the blackness. And, and, and so unable to see the roadrunner, the coyote paused, uncertain, and then he saw a light at the end of the tunnel, and he headed for it. Only to discover at the last minute, when it was too late, that the light he faced belonged to an oncoming train. The coyote was once again plowed down and flattened, and the object of his chase yet again eluded him. You ever felt like that? You see a little light at the end of the tunnel, and you discover that it's a locomotive. Now, normally we might think of the coyote's dilemma as an example of our lives when adversity strikes. And most of us can relate to experiences like that. It seems that when, when adversity strikes us, it keeps piling on. But today, I want to change that metaphor a little bit, the metaphor of the, the locomotive coming through the, the tunnel. I want to apply the metaphor of the coming train to the coming of God's kingdom. And the question that I would like to pose is this. Are there times when we find ourselves like wily e. coyote standing in the way of God's coming kingdom? In our lesson for today, The early disciples of Jesus are confronted with a a critical turning point. You see, all of the members of the early Christian community had been Jewish. And this was very very important to many of them because the Jewish faith had drawn a lot of strength from its exclusivity. Jews felt that, that they had been set apart as a holy people. And even those Jews who had become Christians still believed that that Gentiles, non Jews, were in some way unclean and unfit to belong to the body of Christ. But then something quite unsettling occurred. Word began to spread throughout the, the community of faith that Gentiles, non Christians, or non Jewish people, were being accepted into the faith. And the rumor was that even the Apostle Peter was a part of this movement. And so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, those Christians who prided themselves on their Jewish backgrounds began to criticize him. And they, they had heard reports about him. They heard that he had not only entered in the, into the houses of these uncircumcised Gentiles, but he had actually eaten with them. Tell us, Peter, they cried. Tell us it's not true. But it was. And so, starting from the beginning, Peter explained how he had come to this position of accepting Gentiles into the fellowship of Christ. He said, I was in Joppa praying. He said, in a In a trance, I saw a vision and I saw something like a a large sheet being let down from heaven and it came down to where I was. And I looked into this sheet and I saw four footed animals of the earth and wild beasts and reptiles and birds. These were things that Jewish people deemed as unclean and unfit to eat. And then he said, I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, surely not, Lord. No. Surely not. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice spoke from heaven a second time and said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. And right then, says Peter, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was praying. And the Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. And he said, these six brothers also went with me. I don't know who these six brothers were, but there were six people with him who also went with him. He said, we entered a man's house named Cornelius. Cornelius. Cornelius told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house telling him to send to Joppa for a man named Peter saying that he will bring you a message through which you and your entire household will be saved. And Peter said, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came upon them as it had come upon us. And then I remember what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so Simon Peter says, with finality, if God gave them the same gift of the Spirit, who was I to think that I could stand in the way? What a wonderful passage of Scripture that is. And it's a passage that you and I should be mightily thankful for. Because otherwise, those of us who are from non-Jewish backgrounds, who are non-Jewish lineage, we wouldn't be in the church today. Because that's us. (laughs) Who was I, said Peter, to think that I could stand in God's way? Peter understood that it was God's will to throw the doors of of the church wide open to anyone who would be saved, even to the Gentiles. And he was not going to stand in God's way. Now, unfortunately, that has not always been the case. You know, I want you to think of some times in our history when Christians have actually stood in God's way. Now you may think surely not the church. <laughs> yeah, folks, the church. There are many times in the history of the church when we have behaved a lot like wily e. coyote, standing in the way of the oncoming locomotive of God's kingdom. Perhaps one example is when the church persecuted Galileo for his scientific observations. You see, Galileo took the position that the earth was not the center of the universe. Rather, the the sun was. But this flew in the face of accepted theology of his time, which said that God created the earth and all that was in it and set the universe around it, around it, Thus, making the Earth the center of the universe, and of course, now we know scientifically that Galileo was right. but at the time he was tried and convicted for heresy. He was excommunicated from the church. He spent the rest of his life under house arrest, and his excommunication was not reversed until sometime In the 1990s, over 400 years later, one example of the church standing in the way of God's truth. Or perhaps we should remind ourselves of the many Christians, especially white Christians, who opposed the civil rights movement. In April of 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was arrested in Birmingham, Alabama for peacefully demonstrating on behalf of racial equality and and against the segregation that prevailed there. A number of white clergymen wrote an editorial in the paper condemning King for his activities and calling him an extremist. And so in response to this, Dr. King wrote a letter from the Birmingham jail, basically calling out white Christians and making it evident that this was God's work and they needed to get on board. And as to the charge of extreme, extremism, Dr. King retorted that the question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists we will be. Will we be extremists for love or for hatred? The point that I'm trying to make here is that there have been numerous times in the history, even of the church, when we as an institution or as individuals have found ourselves standing in the way of God's oncoming kingdom. And honestly, I don't know why some religious people have such an affinity for the status quo. Why do we have such a fear of change? Not all, of course. The church has been at the forefront of of many of the positive changes that have occurred in in our society and in our history. But, But to be fair... I don't know of any significant progress that has taken place in human society that some religious group or another hasn't been against. And some of them will surprise you. Over 200 years ago in Gloucester, England, a man named Robert Rakes started a movement that had far, a far-reaching impact on the moral and religious life of the Western world. You see, he began the Sunday school movement. The Sunday school movement. And how it started was he selected four women who gathered a group of, of children together on Sunday afternoons to instruct them in reading and in the catechism of the church. But my friends, believe it or not, the Sunday school movement was strongly resisted by the established church. The ruling classes who had much influence in the church of that day were afraid that a program like this would lead to popular education. That these young kids would get smart. And that might lead to revolution. And then there were those on the on the legalistic wing of the church who believed that the Sabbath day was for worship and rest only and not for recreation or for school. And one Scottish preacher stated that such Sunday schools would destroy all family religion. Can you imagine that? Sunday school, sending kids to Sunday school would destroy family religion. It seems that almost every progressive step that has ever been made in our society has, has first of all been opposed by someone in the name of Jesus. When William Booth began the Salvation Army, he was bitterly attacked by certain religious leaders. And when, has, when his son showed him a newspaper article attacking the Salvation Army, this is what Booth said. He said, son, 50 years from now, it will matter very little how these people treated us. But it will matter a great deal how we dealt with the work of God. My friends, it seems that almost every significant social progress that our nation has taken, there have been people standing in the way in the name of Jesus. And for those who were in the midst of the battle for justice and love, there were many times when they felt that they were in a tunnel, wondering if the light that was coming towards them was a light of destruction or the light of God's kingdom. In a collection of sermons titled Strength to Love, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. described the beginning of the 1956 Montgomery bus boycott. And for those of you who, are, who weren't even a gleam in your parents' eyes in 1956, let me give you a little, a little background here. On December the 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks, an African-American woman, was arrested for refusing to surrender her bus seat to a white man in Montgomery, Alabama. That was the law. If a white man or if a white person came and wanted your seat and you were an African-American, you had to, had to give up your seat and go to the back of the bus. So she was arrested for this, and so the African-American community and their supporters struck back by boycotting the Montgomery bus system. For 11 months, civil rights workers operated a, volunteer, a voluntary carpool to get people back and forth to work and one of the leaders of that boycott was a young Baptist pastor named Martin Luther King, Jr. The boycott had a, uh, uh, was a substantial blow to the city's financial health. And so the mayor of Montgomery went to court trying to, to crush the boycott. And it looked very much like he was going to succeed. And Dr. King tried his very best to keep the spirit of his troops alive. But it was hard. We, we have moved all these months, he told them, in the daring faith that God is with us in our struggle. The many experiences of days gone by have vindicated that faith in a marvelous way. Nevertheless, he could tell that their hopes were, were flagging. The night was darker than a thousand midnights, he wrote. the the light of hope was about to fade and the lamp of faith to to flicker. And then, ironically, it was while King and his attorneys were in the courtroom awaiting the, the ruling about the legality of their boycott that word came down that the United States Supreme Court had ruled unanimously that the practice of bus segregation in Montgomery, Alabama was unconstitutional Dr King wrote my heart throbbed with an inex- inexpressible joy the darkest hour of our struggle had become the first hour of our victory over the months ahead america discovered how completely or how complete that victory was Jim Crow, the spirit of segregation like wily e. coyote had been flattened by the un- unstoppable locomotive of God's purpose. And my friends, it is absurd to think that you or I can defeat God. Mark it down. There is a time coming when every child on this earth We'll live in freedom and in dignity. This is God's will. And we should either help make it happen or get out of the way. Donald Ponder is a legislator in Georgia. He decided he wanted to be on God's side. And as a representative to the state legislature, he stood on the House floor of this very conservative state and implored his colleagues to pass a bill that would impose extra penalties for hate crimes committed against ethnic and racial minorities as well as against gay and lesbian people. He confessed to the state legislature that all of his ancestors in the 19th century owned slaves that his great-grandfather had fought in the Civil War for the Confederacy. He told his fellow legislators of how his college fraternity had ostracized six members because they were gay. He told of his nanny, an African-American woman who had raised him from birth and who had taught him, more than anyone else, the difference between right and wrong. He told of how one day when he was a boy about to leave for school, she had leaned over to kiss him on the cheek and how he had pulled away and had averted his head because he had been taught all of his life that black people weren't supposed to kiss white people. And he spoke of the shame that he had carried since that day. And then Representative Ponder spoke these words. He said, the day came not long ago when we buried that magnificent woman who raised me. And I pledged to myself that day that never again would I look in the mirror and know that I had kept silent and let hate and prejudice and indifference negatively impact another person's life. He said, I, fi- I have finally figured it out. The only way we are ever going to make progress in this world is when somebody gets up and takes a stand. And so I stand before you today, my distinguished colleagues, and I urge you, the House of Representatives of the state of Georgia, to pass this bill. And you know what? They did. They did. I heard someone ask a humorous question based on the archaic language of our legal system. It's kind of funny. The question was, can the church be insured against acts of God? (laughs) Well, maybe it's not so humorous after all as you see, a church that stands in the way of God will be flattened, just like Wiley e. Fla- Coyote. And there's no insurance policy in the world that can protect a church or a nation or an individual that chooses to ignore the oncoming locomotion or locomotive of God's kingdom. My friends, God is at work. God is at work in this world anytime someone is willing to be used by God. God is at work in this world anytime someone is willing to, to stand up for the sake of justice and love and mercy and peace. And if we will be used by God, I promise you, we will see miracles occur. The way will open up in front of us and we will see God's victory. When it comes to justice and righteousness and mercy and peace, we will either be on God's side or we're in God's way. And so here's the question for all of us. On which side will we be found? principles of God's kingdom like a locomotive steadily plods forward. So you can step aside or get on board, but you can't stop the movement of God. Amen. Let's sing. God has made us one. What a great song to conclude this part of our service God has made us one do you believe that I hope you do I hope you do and I hope that God fills your spirit with that sentiment and if you need to make a commitment to Christ or a commitment to the spirit or to unite with our church today we invite you to come As we sing together, God has made us one. Thank you so much. Please be seated for a moment. I know that at this time in our service, uh, we're normally saying a prayer and leaving, but surprise, (laughs) we're not. Uh, Well, we won't be here very much longer. It won't take too long, but something very, very important is about to take place. Um, uh, A a week or two ago, um, Eddie came up to me. Eddie Marcy came up to me, and he said, That he asked Virginia what she wanted for their anniversary, which was last Friday, Saturday, Saturday, last Saturday. And she said, I want to renew our vows and I want to do it in front of our church. And I said, that's great. That's great. Uh, And so I think Virginia wants to say a word and then we're going to gather them here together and we're going to we're going to do this.
4: Morning. Six and a half years ago, I came into Community Baptist Church looking for answers. I was facing a decision that would alter my family's future forever. I was depressed, heartbroken, and most of all lost and confused. Mary Rye was preaching that morning. I clearly remember the surprise I felt upon seeing her. I had met her just a few weeks prior when while admitted into Methodist Hospital. Throughout her sermon, I knew God wanted me to be at this church. Listening to Mary, I felt as if every word she spoke was directed and intended for me alone. That sermon led me to know God wanted me to stay in my marriage and fight to keep the one thing I cherished most together, my family. Over the next few years, this congregation welcomed my family with all its flaws and open arms. Acceptance, as Tim had said earlier, is the one thing we found here. The past six years have not been easy, but with the love and support of everyone in this church, Eddie and I have rebuilt our marriage. I have been humbled by the stories that I have heard from the couples and families here at Community Baptist. We are not alone in our hardships. God has provided for us and shown me that everyone has challenges in their lives, but with the faith and love we can overcome them, making each of us stronger. It is because of this congregation and the ministry we have received here that Eddie and I are able to celebrate 18 years of marriage. Eddie and I both want each and every one of you to be a part of the renewal of our vows to one another, to to celebrate our past, our present, and long future together. Thank you for the love, support, and ministry that you have bestowed upon us through God.
0: walking down the aisle. We're just here. (laughs) Virginia and Eddie, you are coming before God and before your church today for a very important reason. You are saying to all of us that your love for one another is so strong that you are renewing your commitment of your whole life to one another. It is indeed a beautiful thing when two people have found their soulmates and have made such a commitment together. And marriage is a beautiful thing, but it requires a lot of commitment and love. It also requires that you like one another. And you have proved your friendship and your love in that you have endured hard times and celebrated beautiful times together. You have shared tears and laughter. And these experiences have worked together to draw you closer to one another and to God. Virginia and Eddie, marriage is perhaps the the greatest and most challenging adventure of human relationships. And no ceremony, whether it be a wedding ceremony or a renewal ceremony, can can create your marriage. Only you can do that through your love, your patience towards one another, through your dedication and perseverance, through talking and listening, helping and supporting, your believing in one another, through your tender devotions and your laughter, through learning to forgive, learning to appreciate your differences, and by learning to make the important things matter and to let go of the rest. That's what truly makes a marriage. But what this ceremony can do is to witness and to affirm the choice that you have made to stand together as life mates and as partners, to renew your pledge to be there for one another forever. And so we, your church, rejoice with you this day as you renew your commitment to your spouse and to your marriage. Let us pray. Oh God, we want to acknowledge you in all of our ways so that you may direct Each of our steps. We especially need you in these important milestones of our lives. And so we pray that you would graciously regard these who come before you to renew their obligations of marriage. Assure them and us of your presence and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us in this celebration. We humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hang on a second. (laughs) We're not done yet. They haven't said their vows yet. <laughs> it's kind of why we're here.
3: <laughs>
0: Eddie, yes. Please
3: repeat after me. <laughs> I, Eddie, take you Virginia,
0: I Eddie, take you, Virginia, to be my wedded wife, my wedded wife. to have and to hold. From this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. Virginia, please repeat after me. I, Virginia, take you,
4: Eddie,
0: to be my wedded husband, to to have and to hold from this day forward. for better, for worse, for For richer, for poorer,
4: poorer.
0: in sickness and in health, health. to love and to cherish,
4: cherish.
0: till death do us part. part. Eddie and Virginia, it is now my joy and privilege to declare that you are still married. (laughs) (laughs) You have willingly... (laughs) You have willingly committed yourselves to each other for the rest of your lives, and so I charge you to continue to fulfill your promises to one another. Continue to love and serve the Lord and let nothing separate you from one another. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. Would you like to seal this with a kiss? Of course. Okay, I thought so.
3: Thank you. I bless the day.